You know, times are, are pretty uncertain now. This has been a, a different, a very uh, challenging and stressful last few weeks. Uh, the last few days have been challenging and stressful for our leadership, for leadership across the world, for leadership across the country, and I know uh, definitely for the leadership here at the church in Wheeler. They've had to make a lot of difficult decisions. A lot of rapid changes have been made um, to our daily life as Americans um, and it's caused some hard times. It has caused hard times for the church. It's caused hard times uh, for me personally. Uh, at first, we were, we were talking about just changing the communion service. Uh, as many of you probably did at, at your own home congregations, that's what we did here at Wheeler a week ago today. We had the men who helped with communion go back and wash their hands before communion started. Uh, there was a letter sent out by our leadership that said, you know, if if you don't feel like shaking hands, if you don't feel like hugging people today, no one's going to be upset, no one's going to be offended. Uh, we canceled our gospel meeting that we had coming up that was going to start this Wednesday. Uh, as days went by, we canceled our afternoon services. Uh, it was said that there needed to be no more than 10 people in a gathering. <clears throat> and then uh, the, the difficult decision was made ultimately to cancel or to suspend our services altogether. Now, that's a lot of changes. That's a lot of uncertainty that's going on. That's a difficult thing for the members of the church to do. It's a difficult thing for the leadership to do. I think you'd agree with me. I don't like that. I don't like that, that the church is, has been forced to make these decisions. I don't like, um, I don't like not being able to, to gather with my brothers and sisters and to sing uh, and to pray and to hear a portion of God's word, I don't like having to put that off, and I don't, I don't expect you do either. And what that's caused is just some hard times, some difficult times. If you're a member of the church here at Wheeler, then you'll recognize some of the sermons that I'm going to reference, um, because by my count, here in just the recent memory, the last couple or, or few months, I believe we've had five sermons about weathering the storm, about uh, looking to Jesus in the storms of life. I spoke about uh, giving our burdens to God, casting our cares on God. It says there in 1 Peter chapter 5, David Zebok spoke about bearing trials that come in our life. Britt McCarter spoke about weathering the storm. Uh, he talked about Peter walking on the water. Brandon Dukes spoke about the difficulties that will come certainly in your life. Garland Dukes talked about the storms of life. We've had a lot of sermons about this. I, I don't know if, if that was very prophetic or if that was just luck, but it seems very important now. And I hope that we paid attention. I hope that we learned some very valuable lessons from those studies because it seems like a storm is here. It seems like a storm is upon us certainly for the church, if not just for you personally. But you know, this is something that's not really new to to humanity at all. This is not something that's new to God. This is not something that's new to the church. I hope that y'all can see my PowerPoint up here. It's, it's not the greatest. Uh, we've tried to help the lighting here, but we're here in this coronavirus outbreak. I don't, I don't know what the coronavirus has to hold for, for the church. I don't know what has, the coronavirus has to hold for, for the country. But we know that it's caused a lot of difficult times. It's caused a lot of stress. It's caused a lot of anxiety. And at its core, it's, it, it's a sickness. It's an illness that people are having to overcome. 
there's been uncertain times throughout the church. Uh, specifically, here at Wheeler, if, if you remember in 2009, we had a spring meeting with Brother J.R. Smith in March of 2009 where we canceled, I think, two, maybe three nights of a spring meeting uh, in March of 2009. That was an uncertain time. The weather was really bad. There was a massive uh, blizzard that came through the panhandle. Uh, we, couldn't, we couldn't drive more than a mile down the road um, because of the snow piling up. That, that was an uncertain time for the church. Uh, a little bit before then, we had a tornado in Allison in 1995. Some of you might remember that. If you, if you probably Google the word Allison, Texas, you'll probably read about the tornado that came through in 2000, or excuse me, in 1995, that was an uncertain time, not only for for our church. That was an uncertain time for uh, for some specific families, for the community of Allison. That was a stressful time. That was a difficult time for the people here. Uh, it was it was a scary time for some of the people here that that lost their homes, that lost everything that they owned. If you go back quite a bit further. Um, you'll, you'll hear about, you'll read about the Dust Bowl, the Great Depression. That directly affected um, the people here in Wheeler County, the people in this area, the people across the Panhandle, and ultimately the world. That was a difficult time, not only for the people here in, in the Wheeler area, that was a difficult time for Christians. There were people who were hungry. There were people who lost their lives. Um, and they've estimated, according to the Internet, around 7 million people that lost their lives uh, in that in that span of time around the Great Depression through the Dust Bowl, and then in in 1918 there was a, a great flu pandemic that was spread worldwide. It, it was that was bad here in America. There was an estimated uh, 50 million people that lost their lives to the flu pandemic in 1918. There's reports though of Christians who continued to serve God through that time. There's reports there of Christians who opened up the churches that they would normally attend services in. They canceled services, and they were bringing sick people into the churches as if it were a hospital and doing whatever they could for those people who were sick, who were hurting. This is nothing new to the world. Uncertain times is nothing new. Struggling times, hard times, the storms of life are something that's nothing new to the world, and they're certainly nothing new to the children of God. In Jeremiah chapter 12 and verse number 5, it says there, If thou hast run with the footmen, and they have wearied thee, then how canst thou contend with horses? And if in the land of peace, wherein thou trustest, they wearied thee, then how wilt thou do in the swelling of Jordan? Listen, I don't want to scare you. That's not my intent. That's not my purpose. Um, I'm not trying to cause a panic. But what if, what if this is the scratching of the surface for the coronavirus? What if this is just the beginning? We've had pandemics in the past that have killed 50 million people. There's been worldwide pandemics in the past that have killed hundreds of millions of people. What if this is just the beginning? I'm not trying to scare you, but what if, what if your, your parents get this virus and what if they pass away? What if your children or your, your brother or your sister in Christ, what if they get this and pass away? You know, this is nothing new to God's children. Regardless of what happens, this is nothing new to God's children. And that can be proved in, in the book of Hebrews in some small way in the 11th chapter. As we see there in verse number 36, we'll read a couple verses. It says, And others had, a, had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonment. 
They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. Folks, what we're talking about is, is uncertainty. We've had brothers and sisters who have lived through some incredibly uncertain times, dare I say much more uncertain than the time we live in today. We've had brethren who have lived their lives or portions of their lives not knowing where they would lie down to sleep, not knowing if someone was going to try to harm them or to try to take their life for their beliefs in God, not knowing if they would be thrown in prison for their beliefs, not knowing if they would contract a virus and die because they went to church. We have brothers and sisters who have had to make those decisions, brothers and sisters who have lived through those, uh, through those times, through those hard and through those stressful times, times that were no doubt uncertain. But what I want to talk to you about for just a few minutes this afternoon, in this time of uncertainty, what is still certain today? What is certain for the children of God? What is certain for the kingdom? What is certain for the work of the church today? And I just want to break that down to two small points here. Before we get in there, let's read Luke chapter 9, verse number 58. Luke 9 and 58 there, Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes and birds of the, of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. Folks, uncertain times, they're not new. I, I've said it once, I'll say it again. We've had brethren who, who didn't know if they were going to make it through a flu pandemic. We've had snowstorms that have caused uncertainty. We've had natural disasters. We've had times where there was no food, where people were starving. And there's been times where we've had brethren who were hiding in dens and in caves. We've had brethren that were wandering in the wilderness. And the Son of God Himself lived in times of uncertainty. Uncertainty of where He would lay His head down. But God still has expectations for the church. God has expectations for you. And God has expectations to me no matter what's going on around us. God has expectations for you and I during the coronavirus. That I can assure you. The expectations that he has, to, to put it simply, for, for sake of time, are he expects us to continue to serve him and he expects us to minister to those that are around us. And that can contain many different aspects, just the two of those. God expects us to serve him. If you'll read Romans chapter 12, the first two verses there, says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable, unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to the world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. God expects the church to serve Him. God expects the church and their bodies to be a living sacrifice to Him. Those are His expectations for you and I, regardless of what's going on around us. He expects us to renew our minds day by day. He expects our service. He doesn't care what's going on. In Mark chapter 12, it talks about the first and great commandment, being to love God. It says there in verse 30, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. 
If there is one expectation, one expectation that God has for you and me today, wherever you are, no matter the circumstances in your life, God expects you to serve Him and God expects you to love Him. And that will not change. That is certain in in your life today. It is certain that God expects your love and that God expects your service Picking up there in verse number 31, it says, And the second is is like, namely this, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. God not only expects us to love Him, God not only expects us to serve Him, but God expects us to minister to those that are around us. God expects us to give to those that need. That hasn't changed. That's That's a sermon that you and I likely would have heard from this same pulpit or anywhere across the world a month ago or two months ago to minister, to give to those that need. That's the same lesson. It was true then and it's true now that God expects us to be loving of Him and to our neighbor. Hebrews 13 and 16 says, But to do good and to communicate, forget not. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. It just doesn't get any more plain. It doesn't get any more simple than the fact that God expects us to do good, that God is well pleased with the sacrifices of those that do good. The word communicate there uh, means to share, to distribute, to fellowship. We read here to do good and to share, to do good and to distribute of what we have. Those are the kind of sacrifices that please God greatly. Let me tell you, it's certain that God expects you to do good to your brothers and sisters. It's certain that God expects you to share with those who are in need. You know, if that might seem difficult. That might seem like something that's hard to do right now. Um, We've been commissioned to pretty much stay home. We've been commissioned to, to stay in groups of no more than 10. But there's always something that you can do. The proof there is in Acts chapter 12, the fifth verse says, Peter therefore was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. If you don't know what to do, if you don't know how to serve God, if you don't know how to help those around you in need, I think it's pretty simply put that we can pray. It doesn't take much more to show your love to your neighbor than than to say a prayer for them. It's no different than if we had a, a family member or a brother or sister who, who is in prison. There's not a lot you can do for that person, but you can pray. God expects us to do whatever we can to continue to serve Him. God expects us to do whatever we can to continue to minister to those that are around us. It might seem small. It might seem especially small to that person, but just to say a simple prayer... And this leads me kind of to my main point, which is of the things that are certain, of God expectations which are certain regardless of the time, the mission of the church has not changed. The mission has not changed in any way. In Mark chapter 16, it says, And He said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. The mission is still the same. Let me tell you, God expects you to serve Him. God expects you to minister to those that you're around, to those that have need. But God expects you to further the work of the church. God expects me to further the work of the church 
no matter what's going on around us, that is certain of God's expectations. 1 Corinthians 16 verse 9 says, For a great door and effectual is opened unto me, and there are many adversaries. I want to ask you the question, what has changed? Nothing has changed. There are many adversaries. Nothing has changed. We need to spread the gospel. We need to preach the gospel to those that are lost. What has changed? It says there are many adversaries. I want, I want you to think for just a minute. During the Dust Bowl, the Christians that lived in that time then, there were adversaries to spreading the gospel then. Christians still had the duty of spreading the gospel. It doesn't matter if there was a flu pandemic in 1918. God expects those Christians to spread the gospel. There were many adversaries then. There were many adversaries in Hebrews chapter 11 for our brethren who lived in dens and lived in caves. There were many adversaries. They continued to spread the gospel. They continued to spread the word about our Savior there are many adversaries to us today in spreading the gospel, but God expects us to spread the gospel no matter if there's a virus going around, no matter if there's a tornado or there's a snowstorm, no matter the circumstances, no matter the situation, God expects you to spread the gospel. That's what God expects from me and you. No matter the amount of adversaries, that hasn't changed. Nothing has changed. If there's anything that needs to change, if there's anything that could use an adjustment at this time, I, I suppose it has to be the way that we look at this whole situation. I suppose it, it has to be our outlook and our attitude throughout this whole pandemic. You know, instead of seeing a burden or an inconvenience, why don't we try to look at this as an opportunity? You know, it'd be really easy to stay at home, which is what the world wants you to do. It'd be really easy to stay at home. It'd be really easy to find a corner and to bury yourself there and to do nothing. It'd be really easy to keep to yourself. It'd be really easy to look at this as a burden and an inconvenience that is insurmountable and that cannot be overcome. It'd be really easy... For a tornado to blow away your home or to blow away your town and look at that as a burden or an inconvenience. It'd be really easy through a flu pandemic or the Black Plague or World War II. It'd be really easy to look at that as a burden or an inconvenience to not only yourself but to the work of the church. But let's strive to not let that happen. Let's strive to make this an opportunity. An opportunity to serve God. An opportunity to help out your fellow man. An opportunity to let your light shine for yourself and for your church and your community. You know, when you, when you serve your fellow man with kindness, out of love, you're ultimately going to have an opportunity to teach to them about Jesus. And we can make that opportunity ourselves or we can sit back with folded hands and wait for the storm to blow over and, and nothing will happen. You know, we can make a difference in someone's life today with something as small and as insignificant as a roll of toilet paper, no matter the plot. And that is letting your light shine. That is letting your light shine, and that is giving you an opportunity to serve God. That is giving you an opportunity to ultimately tell somebody about Jesus, which leads me to my last and my final point, that Jesus is still king. Jesus is still king of kings. Jesus is still 
Lord of Lords. In Revelation chapter 19 and verse number 11, it says there, And I saw heaven opened, and behold a white horse. And he, sat, he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were, which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth the sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth in the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God, and he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of of lords. Folks, nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. There is a storm of life upon us. It may be the beginning and it may not. I don't know what has to has in store for us, but one thing that is certain in your life today is that Jesus is still King. Jesus is still Lord. In fact, He is not only King of kings and Lord of lords, but He is the reigning. He is the all-time unequal, the matchless, incomparable, incorruptible, the perfect, pure, and spotless, undisputed, unfailing, unanimous, undefeated, the champion, the King of kings, and the Lord of lords. He cannot be impeached. He will not resign. He is our Savior. And it doesn't matter what's going on. It doesn't matter if people are sick. It doesn't matter if there's a natural disaster. He is still the King of kings. He is still going to offer rewards and He is still going to offer the blessings that the world cannot match. That the world simply cannot offer. Psalms chapter 136 and verse number 3 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord of lords for His mercy endureth forever. We have a Lord and we have a Savior who offers us blessings and rewards that cannot be matched. We have a Savior who, who doesn't care about the storm going on around us. Who doesn't care if you're sick or if you're healthy. His expectations don't change and the rewards and the blessings that He offers does not change. That is our King of kings and our Lord of lords. As I said before, I, I don't know what this virus holds for us in the near future. I don't, I don't know if... It will continue to affect worship assemblies. I don't know if it will begin to affect our, our people more directly, I guess, if you will. But no matter what, there are some things that are certain that God still expects our service. God still expects us to do our Christian duties and helping those around us. God still expects us to spread His Word, to be uh, evangelists. But let this, if nothing else, if nothing else, use this time as an opportunity to prove your service to God. Use this time as a way to prove that you still love God, that you will still serve God. Let it be something that proves not only yourself, not only God, and the community around you. No matter the circumstances, we will serve 
the King of Kings. Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. If you'd like to know more about this subject or any other Bible topic, send us a message at our Facebook page, The Church of Christ, Wheeler Area.